This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Welcome back. We are here for part two of Fantasia. I am Alexia. And I'm Galley, and we are your damsels who discuss. Wee. Last <laughs> time we discussed our way through the first half of Fantasia up until the intermission and <laughs> this movie is just so long. Yeah I mean I guess to kind of quickly summarize what happened earlier. Um, if we must. We saw uh, we were introduced to the orchestra by which we mean we saw their silhouettes. Mm-hmm. They might be clones. We don't know. Uh, we saw the interpretation of the Nutcracker suite that included no i guess actually you know what it was fairies jizzing all over the place so maybe there was some nut cracking but not in the traditional sense no but there was a hell of a lot of dancing uh magical things yeah just having a dance in the forest like like you do at a festival this is just this is like early coachella exactly it was early coachella uh, we saw uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, mm-hmm. uh, which was all about a mouse creating labor from inanimate objects. Um, and we ended it with the most depressing one of all, The Rite of Spring, which, despite the title, is just about dinosaurs suffering and dying. And then we take a hard left, by the way. We take a hard left out of dinosaurs dying into the pastoral symphony. Which is yeah. these beautiful, gorgeous pastoral scenes of Bacchus and the centaurs and partying. Yeah, and I I sum this up as racism is mostly erased as magical humanoids and my little ponies frolic in a color-based society and get too drunk to understand weather. <laughs> I just have naked that everyone is so naked and everyone is. And I'm reading here on, on Wikipedia, um, according to Ward Kimball, I almost Ward. Ward. I, I, wish I, I went halfway for Walt and I was like, can I roll through it? It was like, nope. Ward. Uh, Ward. <laughs> it's what it turned into. <laughs> according to Ward Kimball, the animators were extremely specific on touchy issues. Because the female centaurs were originally drawn bare-breasted, but the Hayes office enforcing the motion picture production code insisted that they hang those garlands around their necks and that the male centaurs were originally a little bit more like buff and intimidating, but they had to tone those down to make them less scary. Oh my gosh. So firstly, apparently the female centaurs, according to Deems Taylor introducing this are called centaurettes, which is the stupidest term for a mythical creature. Um, but secondly, I don't know about you, but if you watch this as a small child, I certainly had a little bit of my own like spring awakening when I was watching the centaurettes and I was like, you know, I might not be straight. <laughs> I just thought they were pretty and I wanted to go play in, in the field with them. Yeah, I did too. And at the time, I don't think I fully understood what that meant. That's fair. I was, I was a very, I'm Demi. So I was like, it took me forever to find people that I was interested in. I didn't do it. I was an adult. So as a kid, it didn't occur to me, but like, I this was my favorite number when I was younger. I really like the music. Um, I think that it's it's a it's a Beethoven piece, so it's you know light and fun and beautiful, mm-hmm. and it's inspired by Greek mythology. 
And of course it has this Disney-esque tone to it. So it's all purple and blue and pink and lush green and vibrant flowers. So I really liked this one as a kid. This was one of the ones that I would actually kind of sit, not necessarily watch, but kind of jump around and listen. And So this was one of my favorites. I, I really liked this when I was little. <laughs> Honestly, same. And like it was um, because of, you know, the, everything was just drawn so so beautifully and as mm-hmm. an artist I kind of wanted to mimic the drawings themselves and also like all the female centaurs are fashion like mm-hmm. all of their unique outfits barely outfits flowers that were placed on them are really cool looking um so this was definitely the most interesting <laughs> yeah it was definitely very uh wardrobe it was very sleigh girl sleigh which I mm-hmm. like because every single one is fly, except for the one they removed due to racism. <laughs> yeah, and then they kept the other two. So there is a uh, part of the segment where there is a very clear um, bad black depiction of a black centaurette. Uh, and that was removed in 1968. Mm-hmm. So by 1968 they knew that this was wrong to have but later on in this segment there's still the spot where Bacchus and his two zebra centaur women are with him and mm-hmm. I would argue that that's also not a great depiction <laughs> that that's stuck in the film not great I would agree I am looking up something sorry because I was looking for more information on Sunflower, but apparently there was another one named Otika. Yes, yes. She's the one who, uh, yeah, so they removed Bacchus. two people. Yeah, and they removed um, the other black centaur who rolls out the red carpet, so it looks super weird. Yeah, because they did they did it not by reanimating it. They just kind of cut the frame and re... They painted over it. Basically, yeah. I, I'm curious. Do you think it would have been better or worse if they ch- either change the race of uh, sunflower and the other one or if they um changed the illustrations so that the depictions were not racist but did keep them black i think it's still racist inherently then because there's no other black centaurs or centaurettes that are in the elevated position yeah unless there's then also like a little yellow one that's also doing the labor just to show like hey when you're a folet or whatever when you're a baby mm-hmm. centaur or a baby centaurette you start by like i'm guessing this is like this is like a mating thing so i'm guessing they're playing like the bridesmaids part where it's like you help the yeah like a handmaiden type yeah of thing. it's yeah. like when you're little you do the handmaiden thing and when you're older you're the beautiful bride but there's no implication that that's what's happening. It would have to be one of those things where they'd have to, you know, make it equal. Maybe instead of Otikan sunflower, you have, you know, Otikan sunflower, except sunflower is just yellow. Yeah. Yellow, a, a little yellow centaurette. Yeah. I think it would have been better if they took away any like real life coloring. Like, I agree. He, all of the centaurs are, they, they make them these kind of pastel colors. Mm hmm why couldn't you have made everyone just kind of not a real human color i agree because it also really sticks out when you look at these portrayals of them because i'm looking at the group one of the group from behind photos of the centaurs and the centaurettes just online mm-hmm. and they are like they're seafoam green and they're pink and they're purple and they're yellow and 
but their skin tones are realistic. Some of them. Some of them, but then you have the ones that are the, pink and the pink. blue and the seam feel green. That, yeah, yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of what I mean. And it's also like, <laughs> it's just so funny to me that this whole thing is kind of a beautiful take, but it's still very racism because yeah. you still have the blue centaurette and the blue centaur get together. You have the orange yep. and the orange one get together. Like, pink <laughs> sorry and pink. guys, no color mixing, no matter what your color <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, it's problematic. It's it's very problematic. And I also find it interesting because, so while we were talking about looking at like the the Disney wikis on these numbers, and a lot of them have pretty, pretty long things where there's, you know, plot, production, plot, production, plot, production. Uh, The one in the Pastoral Symphony is empty. (laughs) There's really nothing right. Yeah. Yeah. It has the monologue that we got from Deems, and then it just has the summary of the thing and that's it it i find that interesting and i think maybe it's because even it says here in the wiki itself that there was a lot of controversy about the centaurs who were cut there was controversy about the animation style because you know traditional paintings and um depictions of women in ancient greece they were traditionally nude yeah so realistically and also i'm just thinking centaurs in general will probably be nude most of the time but it's one of those things where you know people were already kind of about it so maybe they just decided to like not talk about it a lot but i find that very odd that as memorable as the segment is for a lot of people i can't find a lot of info on it yeah that's that's kind of fascinating mm-hmm. i uh, on, on a completely separate less controversial take um, no, we can only talk about stuff that i brought up oh uh, well then too bad i'm farewell i'm done with the pod okay <laughs> <laughs> um this is one of those segments that I highly recommend that people pause because there are some really funny frames in there, especially the way that they draw the male centaurs. <laughs> there is a frame where all of the male centaurs are entering and we're seeing the, the mm-hmm. centaurettes. And like if, a dog. You, if you pause it, yeah, they look like dogs and they have very like weird short arms mm-hmm. and kind of strange squishy bodies there's no no definition which i don't know if that's part of the haze censoring but they're like 10 dolls where the heads are too small that were put onto larger doll bodies and then placed onto dog bodies that are supposed to be horses yeah they were kind of weird i didn't even pay attention to that because i was too focused on the everything else um but i that's hysterical i do think that was probably part of the censorship because like a ken doll you know there's no nipples Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, delts, there's no hips, there's no pelvic bones, there's nothing sort of indicative of anatomy outside of what's needed to make it not Uncanny Valley. Yeah, exactly. And I think we talked about this once before, where it's interesting in when you do, and you can probably go into this more, like when you do animation, and if you want it to look realistic, you have to animate even quote unquote, the stuff that doesn't look good. Because when someone does something normally, if you just watch me move myself from like left to right, and then you film that like two second thing and break it down frame by frame. There's going to be some frames in there where I just look super weird. Yeah. Because you're not meant to view humans or organic matter in that sort of way. So when you animate, that's where a lot of those like memeable animated moments come from. Like the Gaston with his eyes popping out and his arms behind his back. It's because alone that looks bananas. <laughs> but when you see that frame in the no one uh the gaston song it doesn't even you doesn't even register because it just helps the animated appearance look more fluid 
did I get that right or did I completely fuck that up? No, you got it right. It's because okay. um so the the beautiful animation shots that we're looking at are the keyframes. Those are those are the ones where we're like, okay, this is the this is essentially establishing establishing shot of the character pose. Right. But then between each of those keyframes, we have to get into the tweening, and that's where you're actually animating the movement from keyframe A to keyframe B. Right. And it can be really freaking weird because yeah, it's not animation is quick depending on the style you have to use fewer lines if you want it to be super realistic you have to use more lines which just makes it even harder to uh, depict in a proper way um but yeah so it's that blurriness that looks strange but Mm -hmm. i i still like i find it absolutely hilarious yeah oh i love it i love when you (laughs) accidentally pause uh, an animated movie somewhere weird I paused Finding Dory once and it looked like Dory was just in the middle of an epic burp. It just, it was like, <laughs> it was amazing. super impressive. I think I laughed for 10 minutes. That is amazing. Yeah. It's just the weird look that you get with these kinds of things, especially as we were just discussing when everything has to be so weirdly fluid because everyone had a freak out about censorship. Yeah. Um. Oh gosh. And then like getting into the plot of this, <clears throat> Zeus is just kind of like, Hey, I'm just checking all of you guys out down there having a fun time. And then Vulcan, I think, is just kind of on his own. And he determines, oh, you know what? I'm just going to start making it rain and storm down there and freak everyone out. There was no reason for this. Um, Yeah, I had questions about that where all of a sudden it was just like, target practice. Yeah, target practice. Baka seems to be having fun with it because even though it's raining he's still getting like a river of wine to drink the whole thing is just bananas but i also love how zeus is not just like throwing lightning like he's having a party he's like i'm gonna get you right like like, trying to get them and they're just like we just want to (laughs) fuck oh exactly running around down there like i got my nipples pasted perfectly and everything it's very rain on your wedding day. Oh my gosh. I I was thinking that Zeus was just spying on the next person, plant or animal that he's going to fuck. Basically, but then I it doesn't I it does not ex- does not explain the vitriol. No. It really doesn't. And it also doesn't explain why apparently this is the first rainstorm that any of them have ever experienced. <laughs> everyone freaks out. They really do. Oh. It, yeah, everyone. To be fair, though, if I was in a, re- a thunderstorm and I suddenly realized that the lightning was simply coming at me, I would also start to freak true. out too. True. <laughs> this is true. Especially because if anyone knows anything about horses, they're only afraid of two things: uh, things that move and things that don't. Yeah. So there was a lot to fear in that moment for the horse side. I wonder what side is like. Is it a thing where um, what <laughs> they just can't turn off their primal nature, so they're normally like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, having a conversation. Oh yeah, totally. Oh my god, I love Starbucks so much. And then lightning goes off, and they just before they even know it, they're thirty feet away because they, <laughs> they whinny. Like, oh, oh, or they just took the fuck off, and they're like, wait, where'd Mary go? And it's like, Mandy, come back. Oh, uh, I would like to believe that that's how centaurs work. They have half a human brain and half a horse brain. So it's still like it's there. Yeah, it's just there. And like when they get their coffee and they're like, and how much, how much sugar would you like? Do you have it in cubes? <laughs> as much as you can handle, really. As much as I can handle. I mean, <laughs> I'm a horse. I can handle a lot. You know, <laughs> just load it up. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, 
What what did you think of um the design of Zeus's brother Vulcan? I'm not looking at I I thought that he looked like uh Zeus's older brother who didn't finish high school and now welds in the backyard for fun. Like he just kind of looked a little <laughs> off. He does look a little off. He uh yeah, that's an apt fit. Or like he take he go he just wanders. He's a circumstructor during the summers and he comes back during the winter to like do his welding and his forging and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he seems pretty chill. He seems like the guy that Hercules comes to when he's got trouble. Very true. Very true. Uncle Vulcan. You know, get a girl to like you. <laughs> this is what I'm picturing. He's like, yeah, man. Come on, Hercules, talk to you. I know, honey. Your dad can be a bit hard. He can be a bit hard, but I, I know. I know. We'll, we'll talk. Come on, come on. We'll talk. It's fine. Come on, let's go get in oh, our Camaro. We'll go for a little drive. It'll be fine. Yeah, we'll get a chat. drive. We'll yeah, have a we'll soda. Get... I know your dad doesn't like it. Have soda, but it's okay. We'll get you a Dairy Queen if you're good. You're half human. You get to enjoy this human pleasures. Come on. <laughs> It'll be full of sugar cubes. It'll be we're fine. So... <laughs> Racist. <laughs> um, I did also make a note that these mythical creatures had better fates than the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, they really did. They they were they lived to party another day at some point. As far as we know, yeah. As far as we know, it didn't look like anyone died. That I'm aware of. No, no one died. See, they're fine. They just need to find their little slaves again and do it tomorrow. Do you think this was the inspiration for My Little Pony? Is the when little did Pegasus. That come out? My Little Pony came out in the 80s. The original? Yeah. Okay. But Maybe. The, I was looking at the drawings for for the little pegasus uh i want to call them pegasus pups but they're not they're just like pegasus foals and oh yeah the little baby ones yeah yeah and they have kind of the same big head small bodies that my little ponies have they do and but i think that's also just kind of the traditional like chibi baby cutesy animal it's true i'm just thinking maybe i'm wrong tasia came out in 1940 my Little Pony came out in 1981. That's fair. I have no idea. I, it, probably, honestly. Everything's ripped off of everything else. And I think that's the moral of the story. Yeah. Hey, bronies slash former bronies, reach out to us because certainly know. you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. And you obviously know more than we do. So tell yeah. us. <laughs> um, 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 anything else on this one on the Pastoral Symphony before we move on? No, I think I think that that was everything that I had on on that awesome so now we have the dance of the hours which wasn't my favorite that was the pastoral symphony but i always i did like this one and unlike a lot of the other numbers i will say that i think that this one and the one before it which is the pastoral symphony seem like they go well together i would agree i blend in not they, they don't blend in but they transition well into each other yeah and I and I would I would sum up Dance of the Hours as a serious ballet is performed by the chonkiest animals on the planet who prove that looks don't matter, but weight limits do. I like that the first introduction we get to this is a bunch of ostriches fighting over fruit while they're dancing. With the delicate ostrich clown feet. Which is true. That's such a that's such a mood, just trying to do your thing and being so hungry where you're like, nope, time to fight mm-hmm. over food. So I will say that this is one of my most favorite Fantasia shorts because it is 
so silly. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is silly from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Um, the song, uh, Dance of the Hours, is incredibly serious. But that's, the, that's the fun part. Yeah. But have you ever heard uh, Hello Mada, Hello Fada? That mm-hmm. song? Yeah. It's just reminds me, like, it's obviously based off of the song. Like, it's the same um, words set to classical music. But mm-hmm. it fits fits really well. So I really like Dance of the Hours just because it's silly. It's stupid. It's kind of what I would expect, frankly, from a Disney take on classical music. What I was going to say and what I have written down is that this is animated the most like a traditional Disney film out of yes. all the segments. It has that classic cute appearance very bright colors it's it's lined with that sort of mid thick black it's not a heavy dark line like you can see in some cartoons and mangas but it's Mm -hmm. not the pencil line um it's very disney some of the others if you were to pull a still from even you know the nutcracker suite which has segments that are a little bit more realistic looking quote-unquote and showed it to someone who never seen a Fantasia or a Disney film, they may not identify it directly as Disney because it's not yeah. quite their style, but this definitely just looks like Disney. Yeah, I, I think I, I get what you're saying. Like something like the Nutcracker Suite, it looks like it's actually drawn with pastels or something like that. Mm, it doesn't have mm-hmm. like the nice um, painted animation quality that Correct. we see for Dance of the Hours. Um, you it's... see it a little bit in Sorcerer's Apprentice with Mickey specifically, but even yeah. with the and Yen said, but not with um the broom or any of the background. So it still doesn't quite pop in 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 my opinion, it doesn't quite pop in this way because this is hand animated with that traditional style from background to foreground to characters. Some yeah. of those other ones, like I think Yensen and Disney and Mickey and Yensen were, but I think that a lot of those backgrounds were maybe the still watercolors. I don't know. I didn't look up the production, but I remember thinking it didn't have the same cartoony feel, which again yeah. is, is not a criticism, it's just something I noticed. And I think that that's also intentional because they were trying to go for different styles here. I know for Mm -hmm. Night on Bald Mountain, that is like them trying to match a very specific um, tone. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Dance of the Hours is just fun. It is. (laughs) Um, And you know what? It's also very bold of Disney because this is mostly nude theater that we're watching. Yep. Except for... um point shoes those are mandatory on all of which i actually like as a detail because all of the stunts that the animals that are doing while they're wearing the point are the are the parts that would be performed on point by a real dancer yeah it's it's technically very accurate yes to the dancing but the (laughs) gigantic hippos and ostriches and elephants and gators just kind of bring it to this weird disney level sorry i was reading about the characters on the wiki oh the fact that they all have names is incredible to me well i'm gonna start from the last one because it's the one that just absolutely caught me was elephantine a soft-footed elephant she's the leader of the evening dancers but is indistinguishable from them as all the evening dancers are elephants and wear pink ballet slippers and none of them has any significant role in their section no significant role i love that also that that's actually really good i don't know if you noticed this but there is a point in the song where an elephant blows a bubble yep. and there's a sassy goldfish in that there bubble. is a goldfish in the bubble <laughs> but this is still fantasia 
still Fantasia. I wonder if they if they trapped one of the um the Arab dance goldfish from the Nutcracker Suite, and it's just like, what? That's the through plot. That fish is in the elephant's bubble. That fish is Cleo. It oh. blows away and gets rescued by Geppetto. Finally, linking it all together, and actually, it makes sense because Dance of the Hours. Those are anthropomorphic animals. Uh huh. We have that in Pinocchio. Dude, this is the same some, universe. Is this? Are these what happens to the people when they grow up after being turned into animals? This is the so. aftermath of Pleasure Island. This is Pleasure Island for people who weren't so bad they got turned into donkeys. <laughs> this but is just pleasure. This is Pleasure Island for theater nerds. <laughs> oh gosh, I didn't realize they all had character names because. The ostriches, Madame Upanova, a vain and somewhat ungainly ostrich. She's the leading of the morning dancers and is distinguished from her student ostriches by her pink bow and ballet slippers while her students wear blue. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Hyacinth Hippo, a lovely and graceful hippo who falls in love with Ben Alligator. She is the leader of the daytime dancers and is distinguished from her servant hippos, not even co-dancers, by her yellow tutu and ballet slippers while her servants wear pink. And then there's Ben Alligator, a noble and courteous alligator who falls in love with Hyacinth Hippo. He is the leader of the nighttime dancers and is distinguished from his rival alligators by his cap with a feather and what he and when he throws aside his red cloak. Red cloak. This is extremely funny. Right? <laughs> Where they're like, yeah, they're all fun and fun and fun, except for you fucking elephants. Get out of here. Yeah, except the elephants are just kind of like, you guys don't have a significant anything. You're just kind of there. And she's also given one descriptor. Everyone else is a something and something, a something and something, a something and something. And she's just a soft-footed elephant. She's a soft-footed elephant. That's it. No one has any distinguishing roles. They're all the same. Blah, blah. Fuck you. Elephants suck. We hate you. Bye. Yeah. Sorry, elephants. (laughs) Go hang out with your fish. Yeah. Go hang out with your fish, you motherfuckers. I don't... I it's just so weird but I'm looking here at Dance of the Hours and it says on the wiki that a lot of the design of the alligators was was based on um work from a German illustrator but the hippos and the ostriches were based on cartoonists work mm-hmm. which gives them different dance styles but the animator John Hench who was working on the segment didn't knew anything didn't knew didn't know anything about ballet which sounds like a great uh way to start this all off so disney gave him a uh, season tickets to the ballet russe de monte carlo with backstage access just just because perks of being a disney animator here has all the names of the people sorry <laughs> this is the lead ostrich mademoiselle upanova is based on irina baranova mm, okay Hyacinth Hippo, the pre-ballerina, was inspired by dancers Marge Champion and Tatiana Ryobochinska, an actress, Hattie Noel, who weighed over 200 pounds. The animator studying the least quiver of her flesh, noticing those parts of her anatomy that were subjected to the greatest stress and strain. Ryobochinska's husband, David Lachin, was used for Ben Alligator. So they didn't even study anyone for the elephants. Ouch. Ouch. Well, I love how they're like, oh yeah, to make sure that the hippo was realistic, we just studied fat people and made sure we noticed the fattest part of those fatties. What? Yeah, that's... Wow. 
the fact that someone could dance like that and it, i don't care how much you weigh if you are able to dance like that that it was wow i can't dance like that in any way right Fuck it's impressive um but i do like there is kind of a weird there's kind of a weird thing when you're doing uh figure drawing and if you want to be able to realistically portray different body types you do have to kind of study those body types and kind of break them down you don't have to talk about it like that though yeah like it gets really weird but you do kind of break them down into their most like meat jiggliness that's fair (laughs) but it's it's weird um but i will say somebody else is also upset uh about elephants but this one commentator on the disney fandom said that they're upset um because I don't understand. They didn't have male elephants, African ones, I mean, and hippopotamus, especially with fat and skinny versions of male and female alligators in it, and even new animal people wasn't just enough to dance. Gesundheit. Thank you. What the fuck was that? (laughs) Right? (laughs) I think they're upset that they didn't have male elephants. I think that's what I'm getting from that, which, like, there weren't a lot. The only male characters were the alligators. The only male characters were the alligators. And this person is seemingly upset that we also didn't get, like, different body types for the alligators or the fact that we didn't get, like, female alligators as well. Not to, like, body shame animals, but I think that there's a lot less body diversity in certain kinds of animals like i'm sure if i studied 75 alligators i'd notice the individuality but i think that even when you're animating people you can kind of draw broad strokes yeah i can't really say that there's like enough of a um dietary or exercise difference among alligator communities where you'd be able to see an obese alligator versus like an anorexic alligator like kind of looking at two different extremes yeah um, unless I guess they're taken in for whatever reason, but yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like pets, yeah. But this might be expecting a bit too much body diversity for a small ten-minute segment about animals dancing together and wearing transparent tutus. That's true, but I do like this one though. This is one of my favorites. This and the um, pastoral symphony. They're just, like I said, they blend really well together. So you you can realistically kind of sit still for about 20 minutes. Yeah, I would, if, if I was told, like, this is Fantasia, pastoral symphony, and Dance of the Hours, and um, Sorcerer's Apprentice, Apprentice, I would believe that. I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. That's a Disney mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And again, I think about these two is that they're good, upbeat orchestral pieces. Um, a lot of use of flute, a lot of use of strings, a lot of use of horns. That mm-hmm. kind of keeps, you know, your interest. They're really easy to track. It's sometimes harder when a song is extremely bassy or really down into the low tones to kind of keep attention, especially if your hearing range <laughs> doesn't yeah. quite pick it up in the same way. But this is easy to follow. It changes the tone often enough to keep your attention. You know, the second that you're maybe getting bored of the ostriches, boom, there's some hippos. I'm also not entirely sure how much they changed in the composition for this one, for Dance of the Hours. For uh, Rite of Spring, I know they changed the composition. And for Nutcracker Suite, they kind of like brought in little pieces and moved things around. They did. They did. They made it more of an overture of the Nutcracker Suite. And I know that for Ave Maria, they had lyrics specifically written because they didn't want to use any of the original versions. So I, I don't... It doesn't say... 
Um, exactly. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't know the entire soundtrack of this, um, of the Dance of the Hours. So I can't really be like, oh yeah, this is only the first couple of movements. I'm not entirely sure. But it is, it's long enough and it seems to have the movements where it may be the entire thing because it's also hard to tell with classical music because, yeah, you know, symphonies and suites and blah, 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 and movements. When you get into all these terms, it's like, well, how many movements is it? Is it the first, the second movement? Do they have the whole thing in here? Is it just the vignette? So I don't know. I don't know. No. <sighs> Anything else on this one before we finally get to the finalish one of the final, final, finals? The, the final, final, finals of Fantasia. Um, the final countdown oh i did the summary for this one do i still have it up i hope so i have no idea i have too many tabs open (laughs) and that is my problem okay so for night on bald mountain um i have my two summaries the first one is after the sun goes down the enormous peak of a mountain unfolds its wings to reveal that it is the great demon chernoborg Jernaborg and his demons, joined by other creatures of Satan's army, the evil, and the undead, all come together to celebrate with their leader in a night of frenzied dancing in dark magic and flames. But when the church bells toll and the sun comes up, they are forced to retreat back into darkness as peace and serenity return. Yeah. Then I wrote, everything gets super fucking Catholic. (laughs) Jernaborg and the other night creatures are finally allowed to come out and party once the sun is down and the judgmental people have gone to bed. They hang out, vibe, dance, and party around in technicolor flames with witches, succubi, vampires, skulls with wings, harpies, and all other manner of fun-sounding characters. After a surprise guest appearance by some titty witches, the church starts ringing titty its witches! damn bells. The church starts ringing its fucking bells, even though the light hasn't technically started to come up yet, totally ruining the party vibes. All the guests reluctantly leave their awesome night to go back into hiding to rest, and the town starts to wake up, absolutely none the wiser that their mountain is actually the house of a party god who folds himself up for bed in the most dramatic fashion ever. <laughs> As the undead reluctantly return to the underworld, a bunch of nuns or something, I don't know what they are, come in with lights for heads as though they're a funeral possession, singing a gloomy hymn. Goodness has returned to the land, fun has been banished, and we're all saved or something, and then it all just ends yeah yeah that's that's pretty pretty accurate (laughs) um uh i i'm kind of upset i think about the placement of this one but i think maybe i'm more upset about the fact that it's preceded by dance of the hours because it is such a huge tonal shift it really is that's what i was saying about the rite of spring into pastoral symphony it's that very jarring tonal shift. I don't think yeah. that I, we could get into this right now where I'm kind of like, I think that this should be like, if we had to keep these the same, mm-hmm. we had to keep the same numbers. I would re we rearrange them. And I honestly think I would open it with night on bald mountain. I would agree with that. I actually think that night on bald mountain is very, very strong and kind of is a good way to like bring the audience in to Mm -hmm. what this experience is about to be and then if we continue to have it with night on bald mountain slash ave maria it kind of brings them down a little bit for a low point before bringing them back up to whatever the next piece would be what do you think the next one should be i personally am gonna vote for it being the rite of spring i think i know that might not be the right choice yeah i feel like the rite of spring would just be too much depression 
I don't disagree. I just don't know where then it would go. Well, I think if it were to go from, I actually think that going from Ave Maria to the Nutcracker Suite would work out really nicely because if you kind of imagine this as a, a, a journey for the audience to go on. We start with it being very loud and exciting. We wake yes. them up and we kind of bring them down a little bit with Ave Maria. And then Nutcracker Suite kind of allows you to sort of lightly wake up mm-hmm. again and kind of start getting into the mood and idea of things. And then from there, I think, moving into Pastoral Symphony. Oh, I'm going to argue that we keep Pastoral Symphony and Dance the Hours as the closing too. Because mm. I think that they are the most Disney and the strongest. See, I was going to say go Pastoral Symphony into Rite of Spring. So okay. once again, you're kind of going on a high note and then down on a low note. Mm-hmm. And then going from um, Rite of Spring into uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Because the way the music kind of swells in Sorcerer's Apprentice mm-hmm. kind of once again brings you back up. And then ending with Dance of the Hours because it's silly, it's fun, and you're actually going to leave in a better mood than well, I guess church is now, like, which is what Ave Maria kind of does for us. Like, time for church. Okay. That's fair. So <laughs> I have I have Night on Bald Mountain opening. I'm going to keep the intermission in because I think the intermission mm. is okay. Mm-hmm. I would remove the Takata and Fugue, though, because I don't. Oh, like... yeah. I, li- I like your argument. So I will then put the nut- I would then put the Nutcracker Suite in. But I'm going to disagree and I'm going to put the Rite of Spring next. I know that that's, that's fair. a lot. It's a lot. But that's because I think that then you could close with the three strongest numbers. I would then have the Sorcerer's Apprentice, Pastoral Symphony, Dance of the Hours. That's how I would restructure it. But I realize it's putting a lot of faith in the middle. But I'm doing that because I think because it's such a such a long movie, that would be when people need to take their kids out for a break. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. It's kind of funny the way that you have it structured. It's like um, <laughs> if people reach the intermission and and they're like, "Oh, my kids have been yelling too much. I'm just going to skip the second half of the movie." I, they'll <laughs> miss all the best parts. For kids, yeah. I know it's really hard though. It's just it's it's the rite of spring that really messes up this whole thing because you can kind of get away with the night on bald mountain being so intense because it then transitions into something else. But the nutcracker, no, the, the, what the fuck? The rite of spring is just depressing from beginning to end. There's not really a tone or any sort of big change or crescendo that gets you back into the piece. Yeah. I mean that, that happens with the Tyrannosaurus Rex fight, but it's not a positive it's not positive it's like and not... it's also not that intriguing in my opinion. Like the colors yeah. don't change. The lighting doesn't change. It's still totally very the same. The only thing that changes slightly is the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So if you're bored, that's not going to help you. No, no, I'm with you there. I know. I know that, like I said, I'm putting a lot of faith on people sitting through the middle here. <laughs> um, but I'm hoping that the breakup of the Nutcracker suite can kind of help a little bit. Because that is a nice kind of fun one. And then I know I'm I'm asking a lot of people to just sit through the Rite of Spring. But then it's kind of like, just get through this one. And then the rest are really good. I I would love to see your re-edit of this where you're playing Dean's Taylor and you introduce the Rite of Spring by literally standing out there and going, guys, let's just get through this. I promise the rest of them are going to be really good and worth it. Okay, thank you for your time. After this, 
you know, we'll have a little intermission. You could go out, get yourselves a little snack, a little nibble. Forget about the sad dinosaurs. They're dead. Maybe oh, we can spoiled it. Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, enjoy the rite of spring. <laughs> Maybe we can do a watch party where we talk over Deems instead and just listen to the music. But it's like, no, we don't like what he has to say. So we're just going to tell you what we want to say. Yeah. If Disney weren't so litigious and we wanted to do live shows or something, that would be a good live show. <laughs> we could do that on Discord if we really wanted to, but we can talk about that later. But anyway. Anyway, back to the actual number that we're discussing, which is Night on Pokemon. <laughs> um... I I like this one, but I I think Ave Maria goes on way too long. How about we split this up? I think that we need to discuss Night on Bald Mountain as its own thing, and then Ave Maria as its own thing. I agree because they're they're so different that I I understand why they were grouped together, and obviously they were animated to follow a narrative structure, mm-hmm. and they were placed together for that reason. However, musically, I don't really think they fit. Other than that one is big and dramatic and the other one is very light and hymnal. Yeah. Other than that, they don't, they don't have any, they don't even have any cross themes in, in my opinion. I, they're very weird. And honestly, the Ave Maria section goes on for fucking ever. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, (gasps) Is that where the Pixar lamp people come from? Sorry. They all have lamp like heads. Like, is this where they pick the new Pixar light? I think so. I think jumping ahead to the Ave Maria section. So those are Sorry, supposed to be I'm processors. <laughs> yeah, but I think that what they're those what? are supposed to they're they're um processors. They're a bunch of people on a procession. Yeah, it and says that, that they're a line of robed monks depicted walking with lighted torches. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think that mm-hmm. those are torches. But I will oh. say, you know, we talked about the titty witches. Those to me looked like titty balloons. To me, they really look like they were just robes with that as the head coming out of them. Like, we are weird, sun-headed people. Praise the sun. <laughs> that's what I. That's what they look like to me. That's why I was like, is that where the Pixar lamp comes from? They just look like the yeah. bulb of a lamp wearing a robe. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed the Night on Bald Mountain section of this because I enjoyed the spooky, scary skeletons. I enjoyed the fact that this is just a Halloween backing vid. Um and everything's drawn and they're clearly having fun with the animation with the way they're kind of stretching and and Mm -hmm. moving it around so it just looks really weird um but also like it's cool let's just let's just watch this satanic party happen let them enjoy themselves let them watch the rave yeah let them listen to whatever crazy industrial music chernabog is playing and um, also tits also tits indeed the titty witches are intense i froze frame and it was just tits it's just tits (laughs) i'm reading here what deems had said and i wrote it down in my notes too where he goes musically and dramatically we have here a picture of the struggle between the profane and the sacred there was nothing really that profane to me in bald mountain like yeah maybe a little titty witch but also we've had boobs this whole movie the fairies are naked. The cherubs yeah. are naked. The centaurs are naked. The centaurettes are naked. Everyone is naked. And all of a sudden now it's like boobs profane. I, I think that this is more about the biblical sense of the word. I know. Profane. I know. I know. I'm just being annoying. Well, then in that case, you know, you're so right. Like, I agree. What the hell? This movie should have had like an NC-17 rating. It should have just been like, it's all profane. <laughs> well, I'm also looking at the regular wiki where they were saying they didn't want to be too religious. It's like this whole thing is religious. The entire thing is religious. You even have church bells. 
demonstrating that it's time for the dark to go away. And then here it's written that they are supposed to actually be monks. Like this is exceptionally religious. It's a pretty heavy handed to anybody who isn't a like, I guess, believing in this. I don't even know. I was going to say a church going Christian, but I don't think that like this covers that. This is, <laughs> it, was, it was a little, it was a little too much to literally see. Okay, guys, listen to the church bells and watch Cherniborg being like, no mom, I don't want to get up and go to church yet. Like he just recoils. Mm, from the basically. Sound. And it's just like Chernobyl doesn't do anything ridiculous. It's not like he wakes everyone up and slaughters them. He doesn't wake everyone up and sacrifice. Them. He just wakes everyone up and parties with them and goes away. So it's, I don't understand where he's like, oh, he's so evil, whatever, whatever, the greatest Disney villain. It's like, dude, he just wants to vibe with his buddies and bounce. Oh, there were some scenes where it looked like he was turning people into these demons, but it looked like he was turning, turning witches into them, which I'm like, well, they probably wanted with that. it. Yeah, they're dancing naked around the fire to be like, conjuring. Turn me into a harpy or whatever. Whatever. Turnaborg's like, totally, dude. Here you go. Here's what you want. Make me your succubus if you insist. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I I think it's weird. And then, of course, the thing that they're showing us afterwards when you transition to. So the church bells toll. The music drops for a second. um, And all you hear is this church bell, and and you see all the people going home because they're like, party's over. But right. then this is supposed to be the part that's redemptive. This is supposed to be the sacred part. And it is boring. It is long. It is not interestingly animated. The lyrics are not particularly engaging, especially to children. And no. there is no transition out. It just fade, not even fade black. It just black end. Just yeah, goes it, black, gone. So uh, apparently the shot was an uh, animation like it was an impressive piece of animation because it's sure. um what is it the longest uh continuous shot i think mm-hmm. of um oh what is the word uh, it's like a multi-camera shot or something like that I... a multi-pane shot i think in animation okay. and it's like the longest one for that procession so okay from a technical standpoint that's kind of interesting but sure. from an entertainment standpoint this is it is not entertaining to watch a bunch of titty balloon lights walking through a forest extremely slowly and then Chanting. the camera just fading out like, oh shit, I'm not supposed to be watching this. Let me go back behind. It feels like a newsreel blooper when like, you can almost hear the director being like, cut. Cut. Cut! Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's kind of ridiculous. And the guy is like, oh shit! He yeah, just puts and- the, the lens cap back on. It's like, what? It, it's so slow. And it's- that's what I... It, it, this is the finale. This is the end. This is what your closing number is, unless you're watching our re-edit. But this is what you're leaving everyone on. This big yeah. dramatic finale. And then I wouldn't inherently have had a problem with the concept of Ave Maria if it had been shortened to maybe two, three minutes. Like they shortened all the, um, the sweets and the Nutcracker suite to bring it down to uh, more of just the overall feelings mm-hmm. could have shortened this one down this number i don't remember exactly how long this one is i mean it was definitely like five minutes too long but that's what i'm saying so night on bald mountain it's at least like 10 minutes or something uh six minutes 30 for bald mountain uh sorry for ave maria it's six minutes 30 i'm looking for just bald mountain uh... i think that's 
I can't. Yeah. I'm trying to just figure it out. Yeah, that's fair. I, I all was right. Just it's um, it's eleven minutes for Night of All Mountain. That's not including the intro or the outro. It was about eleven minutes thirty, and you said it was about six minutes something for Ave Maria. Let's say six thirty. Yeah, six thirty for Ave Maria. That is a seventeen eighteen minutes. Eleven and a half plus six and a half. It's kind of funny that they spend so much more time on on evil than they do on good. And to, <laughs> good in is my super mind, boring. <laughs> it, honestly, in my mind, the Ave Maria section is longer. It feels so yeah. much longer, even though apparently it's half length. And it also just feels super long because there's no closure at the end of the movie. That and it's it's it, the entire segment also they they linger for example uh, for almost a full minute on one angle watching these people walk slowly. Oh it my is god, yeah. So long for no reason. That could have been 15 seconds max. 15 seconds would have been too long, but I'm trying to be really generous here. Yeah, if you love people watching, this is not the segment for you because you can see no people and it's boring as hell. Yeah, if you enjoy people watching, I suggest that you literally do anything else. Yeah, look out the window. You'll probably see more people than Truly. you will in Ave Maria. Truly that. It's just so... I don't know. I. It's annoying. It's I... Annoying. I. I'm just so perplexed by the fact that we don't get any type of outro from the orchestra we don't we we get an introduction of how how do you do we don't get a well thanks for being with us for all of this go look up more classical music or go see an orchestra or something there's just nothing this would be like going to a wedding where they show they're like everyone watch this slideshow presentation of our story and then when you turn around the bridal party is gone yeah exactly they just ghosted on you and it's just the guests left. Do you do you think that Ave Maria was just um, an excuse for the orchestra to start breaking down and leaving? <laughs> Honestly, probably. They're like, hey, your aunt likes to sing, right? She's totally coming and do a number. We're just going to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just going to tiptoe out of there. I don't disagree. That might be the reason. It's, I don't know. I find... It's just so weird for them to end it like that. It literally mm-hmm. just ends. There's not even a title card saying the end. There's not even a credits. Nothing. It's just over. Oop. Done. Yeah, you can basically hear the 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 real projector ending. You can hear the. Yeah, I am. I'm just curious. I'm looking up um, Fantasia 2000 because I can't remember if Fantasia 2000 also just kind of ends like that. I don't think it does. They learn from their experience. Oh, people don't like that. They find that disjointed and weird. Right. Oh, I don't up, know. <laughs> I'm looking up the um, Fantasia 2000 numbers. Just to see what's going on in here. Yeah, there's some really interesting ones um, in here. And they reuse the Sorcerer's Apprentice. They do, but all the other ones are new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't and- know if I want to watch these. No, that's fair. That's fair. I this mean, so much. <laughs> Fantasia was a lot. It was, and we're about to again enter this like super boring slew where we just got a lot to slog through before it gets interesting again. Yeah, this we- is true. <laughs> 
Are you just crying at the possibilities of the future? Honestly, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Especially because they're all long. Like, Three Caballeros, Make My Music, Fun and Fancy Free, and Melody Time are all over an hour long. <laughs> they're all an hour and, and like 10, 15 minutes. That's so long. Hey, I don't even want to say like maybe that time will go fast, but uh-huh. I'm not sure. No, but I guess we'll we'll find out. Any any more final thoughts on Bald Mountain, Ave Maria, Fantasia in general? I don't think I have any final thoughts on on Bald Mountain or, or Ave Maria, but do we want to do our like would you recommend yes. what your favorite part of the film was? I was going to ask you that. What was your favorite part? My favorite part was Dance of the Hours like as a segment mm-hmm. and then I think my second favorite part was um coming up with my own plot line in my head while watching this movie yeah. and linking all of the segments together because that changes Fantasia for the better it, yes um my favorite part is gosh I I really like the ostriches dancing for some reason. I think it's just because <laughs> their knees are so weird and they're all over the place. I'm like, what are you doing, you silly creatures? Yeah. Uh, so that's my favorite part of the movie. And what do you would you recommend or do you not recommend this? I recommend Fantasia. I do recommend it. I think it is worth a watch if you're going to be watching Disney movies. This is so different. Mm-hmm. than any other Disney animated classic that I think that it's, it's just worth a watch to just kind of see what it's like. Sure. But I kind of recommend watching it in the background. Like, have it on yeah. while you're doing something, something else. else. Have it on as, like, you have a party going or something like that. I think it works really nicely as that type of movie. Mm-hmm. But what about you? I recommend it for the same re- in the same way. Like, I would recommend it having it as a background piece so that you can look over occasionally and see kind of what animation techniques are doing or how are they matching the music to to the animation. So I recommend it in that sense. Um, I don't recommend it if for, like, a solo watch. You want to watch a movie. You're actually interested in the idea of watching a movie. I do not recommend it for that. I recommend it for background noise or if you're going to watch it with a group of people and have a discussion. Yeah, I can't imagine coming home after a long day of work, pouring myself a glass of wine and going, you know what? I feel like relaxing with just some Fantasia. Basically, hey, anyone want to smoke a bowl bowl and do the Sorcerer's Apprentice? Yeah, (laughs) we'll do it. We'll come up with a better plot and then we'll play Kingdom Hearts so we can really see the story. Figure it out. All right. Anything else before we disperse back to our worlds? No, I'm feeling charged up and musical and uh, ready to go beat the soundtrack into submission. I don't know about you. Uh, I am ready to grumble about the next movie we're going to do, which admittedly is shorter by an hour. Fantasia was an hour and 24 minutes. Yeah, Dumbo, 64 minutes. Oh, it's going to be a breeze. (laughs) Dumbo is a wild movie. We have Dumbo and Bambi before we get into the ones that I'm dreading, which I don't even like Bambi all that much. I just remember watching it. Have you seen um, Bambi versus Godzilla? What? No. Okay. Uh, I will show it to you off of this pod, but for any listeners out there, I recommend looking it up. It is a very, very short, short. (laughs) It looks Um, like it's a minute and a half. Yes, definitely worth it. Okay. That's homework for everyone to watch before Bambi. So you've got two episodes to do that. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess we'll see everyone next time. Indeed. From 
damsel us damsels to you damsels i don't know we're still figuring out a greeting pitch us something yeah besides whining which is what my dog's pitching me (laughs) all right we'll see you guys next time damsels who discuss is created and produced by crow's nests podcast your hosts are galley articola and alexia thurumalai you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss all one word on Instagram at Instagram.com slash damsels who discuss all one word again. And on Twitter at Twitter.com slash damsels who disco because Twitter has a character limit. Or you can also email us at damsels who discuss at gmail.com. So long, glamour boys. So long, glamour boys. <laughs> <laughs>